he had another spirit. We have considered how the twelve spies were chosen and gathered, yet it is odd that they would even need a spying mission, since God would give them the land. The land had been promised, that was his surety, but still the spies were sent to see it. The parallel account in Deuteronomy chapter 1 is again helpful. And I said unto you, Ye come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord thy God doth give us. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. And he came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search out the land, and bring us word again by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve of you, one of a tribe. Moses initially says that these selected men should go up and possess the land, but the people asked to go and see the land first, suggesting a small reconnaissance to plan which way to enter the land. When it says the saying pleased Moses, we can assume that the suggestion was submitted to God, sanctioned by him and carried out under special divine direction. Numbers 13 verse 1. Perhaps we can feel sympathy as sometimes we want to do our research before we take a step forward in faith. Why would Moses agree to this suggestion? It seems that the people are hesitant to take the land. Does Moses believe that this will help encourage them? Most likely, yes. Oshia is renamed Jehoshua to remind the people that their salvation is tied up in God. Moses says, fear not, neither be discouraged, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and be ye of good courage, in Numbers 13. The whole theme is of encouraging the people in the confidence that God will give them the land. This is the theme throughout Deuteronomy chapter 1. God giving them the land. Remember, specific men were sent. Sending the heads of each of the tribes should have been a positive thing. They were known by the people as fair judges who, above other things, feared God. This should have been a group of spies who trusted in the promise that God would give them the land. It could have been the positive, encouraging influence that these people needed. However, the instructions that Moses gives them could at first seem odd if his intent was encouragement. We read in Numbers 13, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities there be that they dwell in whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Why does Moses get them to focus on the potential strength of the people, their vast number, their strongholds? Initially it sounds like they're in need of military intelligence. Instead, Moses was directing them to the things so that the most difficult battle could be fought first. The battle of the mind. The fight of faith begins in the mind, against fear, insecurities and uncertainties. If these God-fearing rulers could win the mental fight of faith, in spite of all that they could see with the eyes of the flesh, they would be ready to take the land. What is the route that the spies take? What is their destination? It is likely that they took the route of higher ground through the land. In Numbers it simply says the mountain. This mountain range could refer to the Judean hills further north or the Hebron mountains more towards the south. 
It is upon much of this range that the West Bank is situated today. This mountain is surely Hebron, because we have the description of them ascending and ending up in Hebron. Joshua 20 and verse 7 also speaks about Hebron in the mountain of Judah. Why did the spies go to Hebron? From this vantage point, they would have been able to see the whole land that God had promised them. When Abraham was told to walk the length and breadth of the land, where did he go next? Hebron. In Numbers 13, instead of Hebron being a moment of triumphant faith, as in the life of Abraham, it was a moment of doubt and fear. Their fear was in spite of the evidence that the promise of God was true. Indeed, the goodness of the land was undeniable. They even say, surely it floweth with milk and honey, using the same description that God used in his promises of the land. We shall return to the theme of Hebron later in the life of Caleb. In many ways, all the spies were true to their mission, which was stated for them in Numbers 13. In many ways, this was a report that Joshua and Caleb could affirm to. The issue was not the accuracy of the report, but whether the spies could see with the eyes of the flesh or with the eyes of faith. While it was a true report, it was not a faithful one. There's only one report to give from those who saw the same land and the same sites. Yet the conclusions of the ten spies are vastly different from those of Joshua and Caleb. We could say that they all had knowledge, but knowledge did not automatically lead to faith. This is the same for us. Reading the word of God doesn't automatically make us a faithful servant. Likewise, attending the meeting doesn't automatically align our will with the Father's. Word must be read and internalized. The mind and heart have to be affected by its power, and our own personal desire has to incline itself to godly principles. In this way, transformation can occur as we begin to align our thoughts and desires to God's way of thinking. Following the report of the ten spies, we get a succinct response of Caleb in Numbers 13, verse 30. Short as the response of Caleb is in the English, it is made up of only six different Hebrew words. The first two words are repeated, and the last two are repeated. We could therefore rephrase it as go, go, possess. We are able, able. Caleb says to go up at once, without delay. Caleb is saying the same words as Moses had spoken in Deuteronomy 1 and verse 21. Behold, thy, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. The spying mission had not altered Caleb's outlook. Go up, possess. From a natural perspective, going to war would involve strategic planning, obtaining further military intelligence, undertaking military training to make sure the army was ready, sourcing provisions, making alliances to strengthen their position, and attempting to negotiate through diplomacy. But, no, but none of this mattered to Caleb. He was embracing the command of God to possess the land. Later in his life, Caleb makes this reflective statement. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again, as it was in my heart. Joshua 14, verse 7. Again, the different spirit of Caleb is clearly demonstrated in what he says here. He does not report according to the sight of his eyes, but according to his faith in God's power. It is not based upon sight, nor perception, nor according to the thinking of others, but according to his own understanding of God's promises. It was a report based on faith 
not fear. He wanted to go ahead immediately in full assurance of God's good deliverance. The issue with us is that so often we can be reticent to do anything at once, preferring to procrastinate instead. This postponement could take place within our own lives where we have identified an issue, sin, but are reticent to take action to correct it. Perhaps there is a flaw within our ecclesia where something needs correcting and a change for the better needs implementing. There is sometimes a need for a spontaneous at once kind of action, and in these moments we can emulate the spirit of immediacy, as in the case of Caleb. The different spirit of Caleb is seen in a number of ways. He was a Gentile willing to join Israel. He was well known and respected among the people. He was a wise man who feared God, not man. He was more faithful than the natural Israelites. He was able to give a report according to faith, not fear. He was convinced of the promises made to Israel. We should all have another spirit compared to the world around us. We might be considered as being a bit different in their eyes. Sometimes standing out might be a good thing. Having godly principles, working hard, being honest. But sometimes we can stand out when we are asked to explain our scriptural view on voting, politics, etc. In those situations, it can feel like the majority is against us. And we can feel alone. In this regard, we stand with Caleb. If the example of Caleb teaches us anything, it is that having a different spirit is what our God wants. He delights in those who would stand apart from the common thinking, from seeing purely with the eyes of the flesh. Instead, we should be confident in that which we cannot see and hope for, namely the promises which have not yet been realised. Instead of wanting to fit in with our language, our topics of conversation, our attendance, social events, instead may we seek to be a bit different, like Caleb. We should choose to set ourselves apart from the world, so that in the day of judgment we may stand with our Lord and with the multitude of separated saints who have followed a different spirit during the time of their probation. Mm-hmm.